Masechet Nedarim Daf Yod Bet, we're on Yod Aleph Amud Bet on the bottom. As an introduction to this stuff, we need to know a very important principle. The main formula for making a vow is you say, this bread is prohibited to me like a korban. That's the full formula, and that works by transferring the vow that made the animal prohibited to the my intention of what I want to do with the bread, make it prohibited. Now this works because the korban, the animal, when it was born, it was a regular, fine, just regular animal that I could use. Once I make a vow, the way I make it into a sacrifice is I make a vow that this I take upon myself as a korban. This, I, des- I, an- I designate this animal as a korban. Because I make a korban through a vow, so when I say this bread will be like a korban, so I'm saying whatever I, however I made this uh, uh, animal prohibited to me by making a korban, so too I want the same vow to apply to the bread, not that the bread is going to be sacrificed, but rather that it's prohibited just like a korban is prohibited. That's the way it works. A korban is prohibited, that animal is prohibited from the time I designate it, all the way until it is slaughtered, and then finally the blood is sprinkled on the Mizbeach. After that point, depending on what kind of uh, korban it is, if it's one that's eaten, non olah, and olah remains prohibited throughout, because it's just all burnt, but if it's uh, 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 shelamim or other types of korbanot that are eaten either by the kohanim or also by the owners, then from the point of, uh, of the sprinkling of the blood and on, the korban is actually permitted. So whenever I say I make a vow and this will, I say this bread will be prohibited like a korban, the meaning is like a korban before you sprinkle the blood. All right, that's the principle. That's how a regular, work, a regular vow works. Here's the exception. If I say this bread will be prohibited to me like pig, that does not make a vow because pig is prohibited to me by the Torah itself, not by a vow but by a biblical prohibition. And therefore, I cannot use that terminology in order to transfer the idea of one vow to another thing that will not work. That is very important. And that will relate to the Mishnah that we're going to, the section of the Mishnah we're going to be talking about, which is Tahor Vitameh Notar Upigul Asur. If I say this uh, bread will be prohibited to me like Tahor, or like something Tameh, what I mean is like a Korbanes Tahor or a Korbanes Tameh. Both of those effectuate a binding vow, because whether a, whether a Korbanes Tahor or Tameh, it still can't be eaten. Here's the problem. Notad and Pigul, an animal that was sacrificed and now was able, I, I was able to eat it, or Kohen was able to eat it, but now it passed the time, uh, either one day or two days, depending on what kind of animal it is. Uh, the cutoff time, it's too late. Uh, it's past the due date and cannot be eaten anymore. The prohibition of notat is a biblical prohibition. And so this is not because of a vow, but rather because of basic biblical prohibition. And therefore, it should be like saying, this is prohibited like pig. Why does notat work? Same thing with pigul. Pigul means that the Kohen, when he was doing the slaughtering or one of the services, had in mind that he would eat it after the time that is permitted to eat. That also makes it prohibited would be Hayav Karet if he actually did eat it. So that animal is also, after the sprinkling, both Notar and Pigul would be an animal that's finished sprinkling, so it's not prohibited because of the vow 
that I made when I donated it, but rather is prohibited because it passed the time or he had intention to eat it past the time. So notar and pigul actually should be mutad if I say this is prohibited like notar and pigul. That's going to be uh, uh, the uh, question that the Gemara is going to deal with. It's not going to deal with it directly, but rather through a different question, and this will be, we'll, we'll answer this in the response. Rami Barchama asked, he's the, one of the sages that often asked uh, questions about theoretical in-between paradoxes. So here's this interesting question. Someone says, this bread will be prohibited to me like the flesh of a shelamim offering after I sprinkled the blood. Now a shelamim is a kind of a kind of animal that after you sprinkle the blood is permitted to eat some to the kohanim and some to the owners. So actually this is totally permitted. So if I say this is prohibited, this bread is prohibited like a shelamim after it's sprinkled, well that sounds like I'm not making any vow at all because uh, that would be like saying um, you know, this bread will be prohibited to me like, you know, this food here, that's permitted food. Well, how would that make a prohibition? So here's the details of his question. So now we say, first of all, if he actually said this exact language, then for surely it would not be a binding vow because he is copying borrowing the language of something that's permitted. So for surely that would not be a binding vow. Rather, what Rami Barchama's question on uh, question is, is on the following case. It's where he has an actual piece of shelamim offering in front of him that's permitted to him because it's already slaughtered and sprinkled. And it's right there. It's edible. It's totally kosher. And he takes some bread that's permitted bread and puts it next to it. And he says, this bread will have the same status as this meat. That's what he's talking about. He doesn't say explicitly the whole formula. He just says, this is like that. And the question is, when he has, says the bread is like the meat, does he mean the meat as it was in its earlier state before the blood was sprinkled? That is from the time I, I, I designated the korban until the, the blood is sprinkled. That was prohibited. Is that what I had in mind? Or do I have in mind the way it is now? And its current state is, it's permitted to eat. In that case, when I said the bread will be like the meat, so I made no binding vow, and the bread is permitted. That's his question. Um, okay, so you see why we had to change it from saying this full language. If you actually said this full language, this bread is like a shalamim, after I sprinkled the blood, well then that's, that's permitted. But if I say it's like this, this meaning in its current state, or maybe I mean this in its prior state when it was prohibited, and then it would make a, a binding vow. That's Rami Barchama's question. Okay, Rava is going to relate this question to our Mishnah. That's why it's here. Amarava Tashema Notad Upigul. He says, look at our Mishnah. It includes Notad and Pigul as two designations that will make a binding offering. If I say this bread will be like Notar. Now something can only become Notar or Pigul after the sprinkling of the blood. That's uh, right, you're finished, and then you leave it, it's left over. Or you had it when he had the wrong thing in mind, and then he eats it after the sprinkling of the blood. 
So then that is prohibited. So, but it can only get the status of notar and pigul after the blood is sprinkled. And yet the Mishnah says it's prohibited. Why? In those two cases, it should only be prohibited because of notar and pigul, which are biblical prohibitions. And a vow will not transfer if I compare it to a biblical prohibition. If I say, this will be like pig, I said nothing. Therefore, why does, this, why does the Mishnah say that this language works? It must mean that when I say this bread will be notad, it's not talking about the current state of the meat, which is notad, but rather the state that it was in beforehand. Before I sprinkled the blood, before it became notad, it was a regular korban, which is prohibited before the sprinkling of the blood. Also pigul, at some point beforehand, it was a regular prohibited sacrifice because of the vow of when I donated it. And so you see with notar and pigul, it's only prohibited because that designation refers to an earlier state when it was prohibited as a vow. And so too, that would be the answer to Rami Bar Chama's question. Uh, when uh, he says, this will be like that, and he's pointing to the Shelamim, he's referring to the prior state of that meat when it was prohibited. So that's his answer, Rava's answer of why it is, um, of why it is prohibited. And that's right, you go to the earlier state. However, Amale Rav Huna Bered Rav Natan disagrees. Benotar Shel Ola. Hold on. The Mishnah doesn't designate exactly what type of uh, korban it is. When it says notad, it could be that the Mishnah meant specifically a notad of an Ola sacrifice. Now, an Ola sacrifice is always prohibited by force of the vow. Once I designate an animal as an Ola, that makes it prohibited because of that vow forever, even after I sprinkle the blood, it's still, because it's an Ola, prohibited to anyone to eat. And even if it becomes notad also, or pigul also, that just would be an added uh, prohibition. Uh, but it never could be in no matter what. So really, uh, the whole, that those whole concepts of notad and pigul uh, do not matter for an ola. Ola is always prohibited. So that's what it's talking about. If I say it's notad of an the notad of an ola, well, that was always prohibited as a vow. So in its current state, no matter when it is, even after the sprinkling of the sprinkling of the blood would still be prohibited because of the vow. That's what the Mishnah is talking about, only that type. Okay, Ravah Rava responds, he defends himself. Then the Mishnah should have said, if it's a basad ola, and just talk about that case, and not you don't have to talk about notad and pigul, if it's only talking about basad ola, then no matter what it is, so say that um, if I say this is like a basad ola, and the Mishnah should have mentioned that. So uh, Rav Huna responds, Lami Bayakama says, you're right, in fact, the Mishnah was certainly including uh, Basad Ola, but it wanted to teach us something else. Lami Bayabesad Ola de Asur. Of course, if I would des- designate something as this would be like Basad Ola, certainly that would be prohibited. Korban Kamat Peace, because I'm saying this bread will be like a Korban that's prohibited by a vow, and it's prohibited by a vow the whole time. But I need to, he needs to tell me that even if it's, I just, even if I say notar and pigul regarding an ola, then I might have thought perhaps it's not forbidden. Because it could be that one would think the language that if I say this bread is prohibited like notar of an ola, 
maybe what I mean is like the prohibition of notar or like the prohibition of pigul. I, either I said the full form, or maybe I just said this is prohibited like notar, and the assumption is the notar of an olah. But if I just say that that formula, then I don't know. I was not clear if I'm referring to the prohibition because of the olah. Maybe what person has in mind is this is prohibited like notar, but even of an olah because of the prohibition, the specific prohibition of notar, the specific prohibition of pigul. But in that case, those are things. Those prohibitions themselves are prohibited from the Torah itself, and you can you cannot transfer the prohibition from uh, a biblical prohibition to a vow. And it would not be kamash malan. That's why the Mishnah has to say notar and pigul, and not just olah, to teach me that chidush, that if I have in mind a korban olah, even, certainly if I just say this is like a korban olah, for sure it will be no good. But even if I say notar and pigul, with intention that it's an olah, that's still prohibited because the intention applies to its prohibition, its prohibited status as an olah, and not only as, and not its prohibited status as a pigul and, and notar. And therefore, um, he rejects Rava's answer. Okay, so that's the first uh, uh, attempted uh, response to uh, Rami Barhama's question. And now we'll come, come, come to a second one. The second one is introduced in an unusual way by Metibe. Usually in most Masechtot, Metibe is a challenge to what we came before. But literally, the words Metibe just means lehashiv, uh, to, uh, to respond. So this could be a response. In a way, it's an objection to the original question. Well, the original question was, is it this or that? So it's a response to the original question. So this is going to be response number two. It says like this, Ezehu isar ha'amor batorah. When the Torah says, Lindor nede le'esor isar. So this is a prohibition. So how does that, what does that mean? How do you make a prohibition that's mentioned in the Torah? Someone says, I am not going to eat meat or drink wine you know, on this day or tomorrow, like the day when my, uh, then what he says, like the day when his father died. This would be a common custom. People would fast on the day of the, of the, that their father dies and on the yurt site. Many people still do this today. Um, I think it's uh, fallen much, um, uh, it's much, much, much less in fashion today uh, than it used to be. Um, but if, even back then, people would either make a full fast. Here was talking about, but he makes just ab- abstain a vow to abstain from wine and uh, meat. Um, uh, on, when their father died and on the yard site. Now a person says, on a random day, he says, I am going to permit myself meat and wine like the day when my father died. So that would make a prohibition. Or his teacher, people would also have uh, uh, abstain from meat and wine on the day that their teacher died. He says, on this day, I'm going to abstain like the day when my teacher died. Like the day when uh, Gedaliah was killed. This, we, we have a fast, official fast day, some Gedaliah. But since that's only the Rabbanan, uh, it is possible for a person to take upon himself a further vow that he's going to uh, fast 
on that day. So if he says, I'm going to fast tomorrow, like uh, the day of Som Gedaliah. Also, when people would come and visit Jerusalem, and they see it's destroyed, some people would take upon themselves a fast day. So if he says, listen, tomorrow I'm going to fast like the day when, you know, a few months ago, I went to the I went to Yerushalayim and I saw it destroyed. And back then I took upon myself a vow for a fast. Tomorrow I'm going to make like that day. Uh, so all these are, make a valid binding vow. Shemuel qualifies this statement and says that's only if he actually abstained from meat and wine on that day. Um, he actually actually had to uh, make a vow on that day when his father died uh, that uh, he would abstain, and then afterwards he can refer back to that day. Okay, we're going to give two interpretations of what Shemuel meant, but through this, we're going to try to answer our question. Now, what, what, is this, what is the case talking about? Let's say with the father's yurtzeit. Uh, it must be, let's say, it's talking about uh, Sunday. And uh, tomorrow is going to be Sunday. And that was the same day of the week when his father died. It was also a Sunday. And it's the same uh, It's the same calendar day on the, uh, from, of the year of the Yort site. Uh, now, even though since uh, his father died, maybe 10 years ago until now, even if he fasted every year, but it falls out on, diff- falls out on different days of the week. So uh, even if there were many Sundays in which uh, eating was permitted because that was not the yard site, nevertheless, if I say tomorrow, Sunday, is going to be like um, going to not eat meat and drink wine like the day his father was born his father died that is binding why because it means the vow doesn't go to the previous sunday or the year sunday the year before or anything like that it goes back to the sunday when he first made the vow so you see that uh when someone makes a vow it doesn't go by the latest status of that type of day but rather to the original status of that type of day and that, therefore, that answers the question of Rami Barchama. Also, when a person says this will be like the meat this, that's sitting, uh, that's over here, it means the meat in its prior status when it was prohibited. So this would be an answer to the question. Um, of course, it's, it depends on interpreting Shemuel that that particular day means a particular day of the week, um, which is uh, doesn't sound like what Shemuel actually meant. And so therefore we actually reject this and say, no, Shemuel's qualification is only that, that he made the vow from that day forward that every year he would abstain. If he only abstained one year or two years, and then in the next eight years he didn't, well, then that's a problem because he's making a vow and it would not go back to the first one. But if it's a regular pattern that he does it every year and then he says, listen, tomorrow, whatever day it is, I'm going to make it like the day of my father's yurtzeit, that would make a binding vow. That's all Shemuel meant. But it actually doesn't, does not mean that you go back to, back to an earlier status. It just means you go to the regular status that he does something in an ongoing, continuous manner. So that answer is rejected. And now we're going to get to the third and final solution to the question uh, when we make a vow that this will be like that. Do we go by the current status or by the prior status? Amaravina, Tashima.
که حالت اهران اختیرو متا متعال مشنال سکمینات ان تماروز داف and it says if I say this bread here that's permitted bread is going to be prohibited to me like halav ahadon so that's the halav the section the part whenever you're making a big dough till today we do this you separate off some and you give it to the kohen that's prohibited to most people and so if I say this bread is going to be like halav so that does not make it does not make it prohibited. Why? Because halah is prohibited from the Torah to a non kohen, and not because of a vow. And so this would be the same as saying this will be this prohibited to me like pig. Doesn't work. That's a biblical prohibition. It can only I can only copy language of a vow. If I say it's like his tiruma, like Aharon's tiruma, also that will not make a binding vow because tiruma, the section of produce, the part of produce that I give to the Kohen, that's a biblical prohibition. It's not because of a vow, as I don't vow that I'm going to give this to the Kohen, I just separate it and I say, this is, will be tiruma, and then it has the status of tiruma, right? And I have to give it to the Kohen, a deoraita law, I'm prohibited to it. So um, this, so therefore, this does not make a binding vow. All right, that is what the Mishnah says. Ravina is going to make an inference from it, from this. Since it only says kitrumato, it doesn't say tiruma like any tiruma. Sounds like it's talking about only tiruma on grain that I give. Ha kitrumat toda asur. But there is another kind of tiruma. There's lots of different kinds of tiruma things that are given to the kohen, and one of them is toda. If someone brings an animal sacrifice as a korban toda. So that part of it is an animal, but that comes along with 40 loaves, uh, 10 of chametz bread, and uh, 10 each of different kinds of uh, non-leavened bread. Uh, some of it is uh, um, matzot, wafers, boiled um, non uh, bo- boiled uh, loaves, so 10 chametz, 30 of them, not chametz, 4 different kinds, 10 of each. Those are called lachme toda. Now there's another step. You have not just lachme toda, but tirumat lachme toda. Once you have those 40 loaves, you have to take one of each type of loaf, so four altogether, one of chametz, one of the matzah, one of the wafer, one of the boiled ones, and give it to a kohen. So that's tiruma of lachme toda. Now when do you do this uh, designation that you would give it to a kohen? Well, here's how it works. You bake these chalot before the animal is sacrificed, and you have them ready. And then you're going to designate them that these will be used for lachme toda. You have to designate them. Uh, that's by a vow. So this does work by a vow. And then you do shechita on the animal and they become then associated with the animal. Once you sprinkle the blood of the animal, then the 40 loaves become permitted to eat. Anyone can eat them. The owner eats them. But he has to give one of each to the Kohen. Now the one that gives to a Kohen is prohibited for a non-Kohen to eat. So that's the prohibition that we're talking about. If a person comes and says this loaf, regular loaf, is going to be like the Tirumah that's given from the Lachme Toda, one of ten of each kind, four out of forty, um, then it's the, uh, we can infer from this Mishnah that that would make a binding vow because this Mishnah doesn't mention it. Mishnah says, uh, talks about Tirumato is mutar, but this type of Tirumav Lachmetoda is Asur. Now, why is it prohibited? At this point in time, 
when I'm actually separating it, the 40 loaves are actually permitted. The vow is gone. Once I sprinkle the blood, the vow, right, then the prohibition that was made by sanctifying them uh, is, uh, well, their earth still are, they still are lachme todah, but now they're permitted to. There is no prohibition on them from the vow. So the only prohibition is that of the fact that it belongs to a Kohen, and so I cannot have it. Uh, so therefore, it can't be that when I make this type of vow, this bread will be like the It's not going on the current prohibition, which is a biblical prohibition, but rather it's referring to its former status, that once upon a time, with these each of these four loaves that I gave to the Kohen were part of the 40 loaves that before the sprinkling of the blood were prohibited. So Ravina is learning from here that yes indeed when you say a language you go by the previous status and so too with Rami Bar Hamas question regarding the Shilamim I'm going to go by the prior status before the blood was sprinkled that is his uh, that's his um, proof right here it is right that's his proof that the is generally off separated after the sprinkling of the blood. So therefore, the vow goes by its former status. All right, is this a good proof? Well, not necessarily. This whole proof was based on a, an inference that the Mishnah only mentions Chalat Aharon and Tirumato. So we said Tirumato is referring to the specific type of Tiruma of grain that you give to the Kohen. And in that case, it will be mutah because there's no vow involved. So this comes to exclude another case. Ravina assumed it was excluding but not necessarily. Maybe it's excluding that's asur. That's another kind of terumah when someone takes the machasita shekel and donates it to the beta mikdash. Um, that is a vow. And therefore, if someone says this bread will be prohibited like machasita shekel that is given, well, that is in fact forbidden. You can't take machasita shekel. You can't use it once it's separated and, and declared and made holy. And so maybe it's referring to that is the exception, and it's not talking about lachme toda. And then you wouldn't your proof falls away. Well, we say hold on, aval toda mai mutar. So okay, what is the status of of this uh, four loaves that I give to the kohen of lachme todai? You're gonna say toda. If I say this uh, bread here is gonna is like that, then it doesn't make a binding vow. Is that what you mean to say? Um, because it go, I go by the current status, and the current status is uh, they are permitted to eat. It's only because I gave it to the Kohen, which is not a vow. Uh, that's why it's prohibited. And so therefore, it will, there, since there's no vow, it will, it will not make my other bread here the, uh, prohibited. If so, then the Mishnah should have mentioned this case rather than Tirumato. Um, uh, be, uh, uh, because... Lachme uh, toda once upon a time was a vow, and uh, but now after the sprinkle of the bud, it's per- permitted, and now it's only pro- prohibited because I gave it to the kohen and it belongs to him. So write that case and say that's permitted, and then for sure I would know that regular turma from grain that I give to him, which was never had a problem of a vow, certainly 
would not make uh, make it prohibited if I use it in the language of a vowel. So if it's permitted, then the Mishnah should have mentioned that first. Well, no, we can reject that because actually, maybe when uh, when the Mishnah says Tirumato, it's referring to um, in fact this exact type of Tiruma, Tirumato, the Tiruma of Aharon or of a Kohen, is referring also to Tirumat um, Toda. And so therefore, uh, this uh, objection is uh, falls away, and uh, we end up uh, rejecting Ravina's answer, because we, while he made the inference that says Tirumato, and that is, is mutah. That means is asur, but that's not necessarily to. So it could be that the word includes And if I say in fact, uh, this bread would be like in fact, the bread would remain permitted. The vow would, the vow would not be binding because there is currently no status of a vow on that bread. Okay, so that's all one response to Ravina. But here's another uh, response to Ravina. In fact, uh, if a per- if a person says there is a case where one could make such a vow before the sprinkling of the blood. Uh, here, when we first questioned him, we assumed that it was uh, it, in his. In, his, in Avina's statement, in his proof, he was assuming that the four of the 40 loaves is separated, has to be separated after the sprinkling of the blood, meaning after there's no more prohibition of a vow on it. That was the basis of his proof. But now we're going to undermine the very basis of that proof. And so this is a second uh, rejection of Ravina. Uh, so how could it be that I would separate these four loaves uh, before uh, before the the sprinkling of the blood, it could be if I um, I'm kneading the doughs. I have the four different types of dough, and I'm kneading it, and I can separate one piece of dough, and I'll bake it separately. But from the time now that I'm kneading it, I say this will be the one out of ten that of this type of dough that I'm going to give to the kohen, and I do that for four different doughs, and I'll give the kohen eventually after I bake that. Or, or fry them, uh, I will give it to the Kohen. And so that is certainly before the Zirikat Adam. It has to be because the bread has to already be baked before the Shechita of the animal. So there you go. So that's maybe that what the case is talking about. Uh, that's why the Mishnah doesn't include it. In fact, would be um, prohibited, would make a prohibited vow because in their current state, before the sprinkling, they are prohibited by a vow. Right, I took this dough and I already designated by a vow that this dough is going to be for Lachme Toda. Now we're going to prove that, in fact, I can do this process beforehand and even separate it as Tiruma for the Kohen, even while still dough. Uh, uh, if someone wants, instead of making 40 loaves, he wants to just make four really big loaves, right? The point of the 40 loaves is that there should be a lot of bread, more bread than I can eat myself um, in, uh, in a short time of the, uh, of the, of the, the cutoff time of uh, Korban Toda, of a day and a night. 
And therefore, um, because I have so much, I'm going to have to share it with friends and family and poor people, right? That's why I have to have a lot of dough. But what if I, it's the same amount of dough, same amount, but instead of 10 loaves, I want to make one really big loaf, of one of each kind, so four big loaves, one hametz and the other four different types of matzot. Can I do that? Yes, Shemuel says it's permitted. Hold on, we ask. But doesn't it say 40? That's the mitzvah. That's the mitzvah. The best way to do it is to have 40. That way you throw them out, throw them around, and everybody shares. But if you want to make one big, it's the amount that counts, not the exact number. Now, hold on. If you have one big loaf, how could you possibly give one out of ten to the Kohen, one out of ten of each uh, kind, to the Kohen. Maybe you'll say, I know, I have four, uh, I'll just give one big one to the Kohen, and that'll be, I'm giving actually more than a tenth, I'm giving a quarter, but I'm going to give one, and then I will eat the rest. I'll give him extra. So maybe you'll say you could do that. No, you can't do that. No, it says you have to give one of each type. You can't give two matzot, two uh, chametz ones, and uh, that'll be for the the uh, wafer one. No, you have to give one of each type. So I can't just give them one big loaf of the boil type, and that'll be for the rest. So it doesn't work. And if you say, after I bake it, then I'll just take a slice, uh, a tenth of it, and give a kohen a tenth of this big loaf, a tenth of the next big loaf, a tenth of each of the loaves. That's also not good, because Mishnah um, says one, right? It has to be a whole loaf, that I can't give him a slice. So, and what, how could I, how am I going to possibly make four big loaves? And the final answer is, I can do it by separating it while it's still dough. So I have these four loaves, these four doughs, and uh, I, while it's still dough, I take one of them that will be eventually be chametz. One of them that's meant for the um, for the loaves that are matzah. One of them for the wafers, and one of them for the uh, ones that will be boiled. And I then I separate the dough. Then I bake those four parts that I separated that I already designated will be to the Kohen, and the other ones will be the big loaves, which is nine-tenths of the whole dough, and that I'm going to bake as one big loaf. So here, the order of operations is, I have these loaves, I say, I have the dough, I already say this dough will be for so it's already vowed and therefore consecrated and therefore prohibited to everyone at that point. At that point, I separate, uh, I separate some of it. And so that separate, that separate part is now going eventually to be Tiruma. Right now, at that point, if I say this apple is going to be prohibited to me like these here that are dough and therefore are still prohibited because this is all before the uh, sprinkling of the blood. Well, then that certainly would make a vow and a current vow. It doesn't have to go back to an earlier status. And therefore, there is no proof from this case, even if the Mishnah was coming to, that said, that said was coming to exclude Tirumat Lachmeh Todah, uh, nevertheless, it's not talking about necessarily talking about something that happened earlier. It could be currently in that state. And so this is a second way of rejecting the opinion, the, um, the answer of Ravina. So in sum, 
we started off with the question of Rami Barhama about uh, if someone makes a vow, has a piece of shilamim, permitted piece of shilamim right here, and he says this spread will be like the shilamim, then does that uh, either not make a vow because the shilamim is permitted, or do we say it does make a vow because it'll go by an earlier status? We had three attempts to, to, to prove that yes, you go to an earlier status, but each of them were rejected. And uh, tomorrow, on tomorrow's daf, we're going to attempt to say that the two possibilities of whether you go to an earlier, earlier time or the current time when, uh, when it once upon a time was a vow or, or currently when there's no vow prohibition on it may be parallel to a machloket tanaim. Baruch Adonai Leolam, Amen v'Amen.